0: We're so glad that you are with us today as we uh, study God's word together. Bon dimanche, Uh, bonjour, mes amis. We're so glad that you are with us, and uh, you may have heard we are experimenting around over these next few weeks with what it would look like to try to do some experimental services next month. And. And so we're, we're playing around with a lot of different stuff uh, to try to figure out the best way to keep everybody safe. So stay tuned as we're working through a lot of those details in the coming weeks. Uh, but what I, what I want to acknowledge here today is that this is a heavy topic that we're going to be looking at in Scripture today. Uh, and my heart is heavy today over so much division that I that I see, and and pain in our world. And the fact is that some of us might feel a little defensive over what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Some people are angry. I would go even so far as to say that some have perhaps even sinned in their anger. And, And oppositely, some are probably even sinning in our lack of anger over some of these issues. Some are confused, some are enraged. There are times over the last weeks where I've seen people who, uh, who I love who have said horrible things to each other and about each other. And it's not just one side or the other. Listen, it's not just one camp or the other. It's it's little be, bits and pieces of every camp, it seems like, in our divided and confused world today. And, and I think that we live in a world today where the sinfulness of our human condition is on full display. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. And we're going to talk about that next week. The the division that existed between people who were Jewish in their ethnicity and and people who were Gentile and how they didn't think that the gospel was for others who weren't like them. And we're going to look at that. It's, It's going to be a positive message of encouragement and the way forward from Scripture next week. But it continues, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then Romans 3 goes on and and continues to talk about how salvation, the good news is that salvation is found In Jesus Christ and so when we know the Bible and when we take a a step back and we look at history it's it's not surprising some of the things that are going on in the world today now it's heartbreaking it's agonizing but it's not surprising because Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 reminds us for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Listen, listen, hear me, hear me, don't miss this that our enemy is never other people, never. Our enemy as Christians is never never other people, even if they call themselves our enemy. They are not our enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. It is not human. Our enemy is against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the way that, that Satan works in our world is through deception that leads to confusion and fear. Fear is the tool of the enemy. Satan feeds on our fear. And over the last three months, I believe that Satan has been working over time in our world. I've seen perhaps more fear and anxiety, and confusion, and division than I have in a long, long time, perhaps even in my lifetime. And that's part of why I long for us to be together as a church. I mean, even in the midst of restrictions, and we have to be careful, but listen, that's why we need our small groups whether it's digital or, or in person, because the enemy is winning when Christians begin to share in the same fear and anxiety and confusion that the world is in. And that's why we are people of this book. For thousands of years, the world's answers have always fallen short of the mark. But this book remains as the source of truth, God's revealed word, which is our hope for a troubled world. And so at the beginning of all this, COVID-19 crisis. People started to come together and it was kind of beautiful, wasn't it? As people came together and said, we're going to do whatever it takes to beat this pandemic. And time will only tell whether the things that our cultures have done around the world, the, the things that our governments have done around the world were the right move. We don't know yet. And we can disagree about all of that, only time will tell if some of the actions that have been taken over these last three months were the right actions. But what we do know is in the midst of this societal turmoil with millions of people losing their jobs and thousands dying because of COVID-19, the anxiety level and the angst in our culture rose until in the last week of May. The world watched in horror the video of a policeman in Minneapolis, Minnesota who put his knee on the neck of a black man, George Floyd. And for eight minutes, George Floyd struggled to breathe in the street as this police officer squeezed the life out of a human being created in the image of God. And we've seen this kind of thing happen again and again. Just two months before that, Ahmaud Aubrey went out for some exercise in Brunswick, Georgia, a place that I've been before. He, 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 he laced up his running shoes and, and went out for a run, something that I've done as a runner hundreds if not thousands of times before. But as Ahmad enjoyed the fresh air that day, running through a white neighborhood, two men thought he looked like a criminal. And they grabbed their guns and they jumped in a pickup truck and chased him down. And an unarmed man ended up dead in the road. Now, over the years, I've had many meetings in the state of Georgia. And as I'm going to talk about in just a minute, uh, I, I worked in the South. And at any of those meetings, I would bring my running shoes and go for a run. And never once did I think that there was the possibility that I might end up dead. My son has a black hoodie. Last week he came in the kitchen and and he said, what do you think? He said, I I don't know that I should wear this because I think that maybe I look like a threat. And I said, come on, Seth, it's just a hoodie, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to notice. I never gave it a second thought because as a parent, I don't feel the need to worry about my children, in that way. But my black friends, if they were to have their kids leave the house in that same hoodie in many parts of North America, the conversation might have been very different out of concern for their child's safety. Now, if you are white like me, And I'm as as Canadian white as they come. The sun and I are enemies. But if, if you are white like me, before you get defensive, before you get defensive, can we just come to an agreement about something? Wouldn't it be good for us to agree about something that in the midst of all the fighting and the argument, can we just stop and agree upon this? When our brothers and sisters whom we love don't feel safe. Should that not concern us? The Bible says that we are, are to bear one another's burdens. Now, Some of you don't know that uh, I spent much of my childhood growing up in the South, in, in Alabama and Mississippi, and, uh, and then we moved to Virginia where I eventually met my wife when we were teenagers. And my family is Canadian. I was born here in New Brunswick, but, but many or most of my growing up years in school were in the South. And uh, my wife from Virginia, when she was a teenager, Tracy's parents were called in one day to the school counselor's office. And the school guidance counselor said, we need to talk to you about your daughter and some race-related issues. And they were horrified, wondering what was it that that she had said? What, What racist thing might she have done? And so what was the school counselor concerned about? Well, she said to Tracy's parents, you probably ought to know that your daughter is spending too much time around the black kids in school. And we're concerned and we thought you would want to know that We think it's a problem that most of her friends are black. And that was the school guidance counselor. I was a pastor in Alabama and our church began to grow. And over the 10 years that I was there... At this wonderful, beautiful church, the church began to transform and we began uh, seeing black families become part of our fellowship and and black families brought into leadership and influence and positions of authority within the church, not nearly as much as we wanted, but we were beginning to see that happen where for the first time in history, we had black men and women on our church board and even elected to the position of leadership over our church board. But early on, just as that transformation was beginning to take place, I received a phone call one day at the church, and it was a highly influential woman in the church. Her her husband had served on the church board, and she said, she said, Joel, you don't understand how things are done around here. She said, if you think that you're going to bring a whole bunch of black people into this church. You've got another thing coming, young man. And she threatened to run me out of the church. And so I said, ma'am, you can go ahead and, and try to get people to turn against me, but I won't stop because this is a hill that I'm willing to die on. So if you want to get me fired because we're sharing the love of Jesus with everyone regardless of color or tribe or language or nation, if you want to get me kicked out because we're becoming known as a black church and that embarrasses you, go ahead. Because God did not call me to be the pastor of a white church. God did did not call me to be the pastor of a black church or a brown church. God called me to his church, which is for every tribe and tongue, for every nation, every color, because the gospel of Jesus Christ knows no bounds. And she did not win that battle, and I kept my job, but it broke my heart. Because a two, about a year or two later, uh, she ended up leaving the church. And I had been praying that, that God would change her heart. But it broke my heart because I knew that she she claimed to know the love of Jesus. But did not love her neighbor as herself. The state of Alabama then passed a law trying to... Uh, to lock down on illegal immigration into the country and into the state of Alabama. And so they passed a law that basically made every person in the state responsible to serve somewhat as a law enforcement officer by making judgments about whether they guessed that someone might be undocumented or not. And about the only way that I know that you could do that is by judging the color of one's skin. And they said, it is a punishable offense, a a felony offense, a criminal offense to help and assist any immigrant who ends up later found out to be undocumented. Well, our church had started English classes to to minister to immigrants, just as we do now here at, at, at this church here in Canada And some semesters in Alabama, our English classes had as many as a hundred students from places like Mexico and Guatemala. And understand that this was not a political thing. Uh, This was not us somehow trying to make a statement for or against immigration. We were just loving our neighbors, doing what the Bible says to do. As a church, we don't check for people's legal papers before they come walking in the door to to either participate in a worship service or to receive help or or take a class of English. But the state of Alabama determined that that class to teach English could classify as a punishable offense. Because it was helping people survive in this this country, in the states. And so our our church board consulted with a lawyer. We had that lawyer come in and help us evaluate all of the the decisions to be made. And I was so proud of our church board in that environment that decided to courageously press forward. I I was amazed at how people like my wife, who who ran that program for many years, Years and the other volunteer teachers who who were part of that would come into the church every Wednesday night to teach those precious people, knowing that if a police officer came in, it was legally within their right to arrest my wife and other people like her, and that they could be sent to 10 years in prison. Ten years in prison under Alabama state law. Now the next year, a federal judge overturned that law, but the church pressed forward because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not know that the Wesleyan church was founded in part due to the the fight for equality between black and white in the States, that uh, in, in the South there were, there were uh, bl- uh, white pastors who were hung from the tree and lynched. This is Freedom's Hill, the, the Wesleyan Methodist Church, the oldest meeting house of Wesleyans in the South, built in 1848, and there are bullet holes in the door to this day, bullet holes in the door because people out in the community thought that black people and white people should not worship together. Now you ask Joel, why does it matter? What, why bring up the past? Well, first of all, this is not such a distant past. This is, the things that I've shared in, in, in my stories are actually fairly recent. You ask Joel, why does it matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Because every human being is an image bearer of the Most High God. Romans chapter 10 verse 12 says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And that was the big dividing line back then. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice the key here. The answer is when we turn from our wicked ways and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. That is the means of our salvation when we call upon the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And so it grieves my heart because if you get beneath the anger and grief, what I hear many of my black friends saying is, I don't feel safe. I don't feel valued. And so many minorities have, have carried a lifetime of stories of these injustices. And it's not just black, we have similar stories with our indigenous First Nations people here in Canada. In fact, just centuries ago, here in New, New Brunswick, many French Acadian people were stripped of their land and freedom. As well, And it's all around the world. It, it's not just North America. We have a white family here at our church that moved here from South Africa with racism against white people. He, he's had two family members killed because they're white. I, I've spent much time in Israel. You, you want to talk about, uh, about discrimination and racial fighting in the Middle East? I mean, come on. And so here's my point, here's my point, point. and here's what we need to understand that the world does not always understand, that it's not just an American problem, it's not just a Canadian problem, it's a human problem, because at the root, it's a sin problem. Racism is one of the many results that, that, that comes out of a human heart that is scarred by sin. And so we mourn and we grieve. Romans 12, 15 says to mourn with those who mourn. And like a big worldwide funeral, those who have faced the personal pain of, of being singled out because of their race or nationality or skin color or, or language or religion or economics or any other factor have felt this agony. Last week we had a beautiful and real conversation with one of the loved members of our church family, Tia Bailey, is, he shared his experience here on this stage. You can watch that interview from a week ago Thursday on our Facebook page, Moncton Wesleyan Facebook. He, he talked about how this season has brought up so many wounds and stories from the past. As, as people cry out for some kind of change in our world and so we listen and we do what we would do at a funeral we cry with those who cry we grieve with those who grieve we enter into the hurt of those who are hurting but but it doesn't end there You see, here's what we're going to talk about. This is what makes us different from the world's version of social justice. This is what makes us different from the world's version of social justice. I think this is what is so often missing. I think that that this is the fatal flaw in the arguments of some of my dearly beloved, well-meaning Christian friends. You see, it will never be enough to just share in the hurt of those who are hurting. We need to start there. We cannot bypass that step. We start there, but it's not enough. It's never enough to to just get angry and speak out. It's never enough to just propose changes in policy and speak out against racism. And we need to do those things. It's never enough to just find government solutions, even though all of those things are needed. But here's the deal. Listen, in other words, it's not just enough to share in someone else's hurt. We also have to point them to the hope. And the hope is Jesus All the social problems and and social programs in the world cannot fix the issue at the root of it all because only Jesus can deal with the root by tearing down the walls of division and bring healing and hope and equality. In Isaiah chapter one, verse 14, it says, the Lord God, The Lord God says your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. God says when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. And so you see this progression here in Isaiah chapter one, where if I'm reading this correctly, in, in the context of the whole message of Scripture, it's saying that that worship without a heart for justice, is detestable to God. But also, don't miss this, the other side is true as well, that, that our crusades for justice will always fall short apart from Jesus. Because he alone can wash us clean and deal with the root of these issues. And I think that is why we see these perpetual cycles, not just in America, not just in Canada, but around the world and again and again throughout history. Because, listen, the answer is not justice or Jesus. And the answer is not even, despite the title of this message, it's not even justice and Jesus. The answer is justice in Jesus. And so here's what that looks like. The Bible calls it reconciliation. Here's what true reconciliation looks like in second Corinthians five verse 16, and, and we're going to talk more about reconciliation next week and the good stuff that, that how, how Scripture brought them together in the New Testament, how the blood of Christ brought reconciliation between the races and their differences and so but But let's just look at this passage first today. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, we used to think like the world, but not anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the righteousness of God. In other words, listen, whatever we do, we must not confuse the world's message of freedom with the Bible's message of freedom. You see, many times we use the exact same language as the world, but what we mean from from a biblical perspective is often very different than the definition of the world. And so while we grieve the same problems as the world, we grieve the same problems, but there should be a difference between the world's answers. And the church's answers. There should be a difference between the songs of the world and the songs of the church. Because listen, it is only Jesus who can set a heart free from the root of that oppression. Because the root of division, the root of racism, the root of of hatred, the root of, of fighting all throughout human history is the story of the sinfulness of the human heart that is why a search for justice apart from Jesus will always leave us empty and unfulfilled in the end and so we can change government structures and and and, and don't get me wrong please don't think that I'm saying we shouldn't make changes in, in our in our policies and our procedures and our in our world today listen. We need government changes, but don't be mistaken in thinking that those changes will ever be enough to solve the root of the issue, because only Jesus can change someone's heart. And so let me speak to two groups of people today. And by the way, if if you are not a Christian and, and you've joined us today, we're so glad that you're watching and that you're with us, but 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 just understand, I'm not talking to you here uh, about some of this stuff. I mean, you can listen. We're glad that, that you're with us and, and hopefully you'll learn from this and see the beauty of the picture of the gospel and, and hunger for more of Jesus because of what we've talked about today. But, but just to be clear, this is a family talk here for us as Christians for just a minute. And just so you know, my goal is to hurt everybody's feelings today at least just a little bit including my own and so if 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 your perspective is getting bruised or or your 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 thoughts are being readjusted or if 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 everybody's toes are not being stepped on in some way today including my own then i haven't done my job but if 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 you're black or white, red, brown, yellow, or polka dot. Listen, number one, if you're a Christian and you're not paying attention to the hurts of this world, then that is a problem. John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for For us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. And so listen, listen, listen. You cannot have the heart of Jesus while also ignoring the hurts of those around you. And it's overwhelming. I know. Sometimes I can hardly take it. This week, I sat in my office, and with the word of God open, I shed tears. I have, I have probably cried more this week than I have in as long as I can remember. But see, some of my tears were not out of agony for the pain of this world. Most of them were, but also out of joy for the beauty of the gospel. The hope that the church can bring to the world if we model this together as the body of Christ. And so I just want to stop right now and say to you, if what we're talking about today or over these last few weeks of unrest in our world have brought up pain from injustice in your past, I'm sorry. If you have people in your life who represented a church or carried the name of Jesus, or used the word of God as a weapon against you, instead of as a hope to lead you to Jesus. On behalf of the church of Jesus Christ universal, I want to say, I'm sorry. You see, if you're a Christian and you're not paying attention to the hurts of this world. That's a problem, but don't miss this. Here's what's also true. If your response to those hurts is the exact same as the world's, that's a problem as well. If the things that you say and the things that you write online and the things that you do are indistinguishable from the message of the world, if people don't see Jesus in your communications, in your heart, listen, that's a problem. You see, there should be something different about our tone as Christians. There should be something different about how we treat others who disagree with us. There should be something different about our answers for the problems of this world. If our answers sound exactly like the world's answers, that's a problem. See, our world today is kind of a cancel culture, isn't it? You've heard that before, cancel culture. That if, if you say something that I don't agree with, if you say something that, that hurts my feelings, if, if you say something that, that offends me, that doesn't line up with my view on the issue, then I cancel you. I disinvite you from my life. You no longer have a voice. You're not allowed to be part of the conversation. You no longer hold value to me as a human being. Listen, that is what our world says today, but we are not people of this world. We are people of this book. And so we do not fight against man. We fight against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, which means that we do not fight as the world fights. We speak up against oppression. We speak up against injustice. We do, but we do not speak as the world speaks because our answers and our heart is different. There should be something radically different about our approach. There should be something radically different about our posture. There should be something radically different about our conclusion and answers because the core of our message is the love of Jesus Christ and the hope of Jesus who alone can bring healing and restoration to the dark broken heart from which all of these problems flows and it starts with confession, it starts with Confession in your heart and in my heart. And so I just want to ask you a question. I just want to ask you to ask yourself this question as I do the same. Have I thought, said, or done anything that brings dishonor to God? Just right now, I'm going to give you a quiet moment at, at home to invite the Holy Spirit to, to think about anything that you thought, said, or done. Maybe it's recently, maybe it was years ago. Lord, is there anything that we have thought, said, or done that did not represent you well? then here's the second question. Is there anything that you have thought, said, or done that did not communicate compassion for your fellow human? And so, right now, Father, we invite you to speak to us. Lord, is there anything that we have thought, said, or done that maybe we need to go and apologize for to someone today. Bring it to our minds, Lord. We invite you to speak to us. And so, Lord, we know that if change happens anywhere, it has to start in us. And us means your church, Lord, but the church is also made up of individuals like my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and me. So Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom for how to walk in the fullness of grace and truth in these challenging times. Lord, that there would be something distinctly different about us in the fullness of grace and truth where people might not even be able to put their finger on it, but they know what is it that's different about this person. And we can proudly and boldly declare it is the love of Jesus in me that alone can be the hope for the problems in our world today. Lord, give us wisdom how to walk well, how to, how to interact with our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones well. Give us wisdom in how to come together as many different ethnicities, many different backgrounds, with all of our pains and our hurts and our misunderstandings. For you have given us the ministry of reconciliation, to be reconciled to you and reconciled to each other. And so, Lord, we sing this song today declaring that we need you more than anything we need you.